0: We've got exactly what everyone needs. Another yoga podcast. Maybe you do, maybe you don't.
1: You decide. (laughs) Hello. I'm
0: Michelle. I'm Hannah. We're back.
1: Just another yoga podcast.
0: (laughs) Unpolished as usual. Here we are. What are Um, we talking about today? We're going to talk about trauma.
1: Cheek! It's funny because, what's well, not funny. I don't know why we say that. It's it is funny. Ironic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ironic because I went to the dentist today and I didn't realize, I mean, I kind of know the trauma that I have with the dentist and also my birth trauma and I never realized how it played out into other doctor appointments after I had my kid, but mm-hmm. Holy moly! Uh, yeah, I was gripping the seat and everything, and I have to go back for a filling. So um, I'm really. Tra- Maybe you can teach me a thing or two today, Michelle, to to cope with that trauma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still learning. No pressure. Um.
0: No pressure, none, none at all. I mean, my appointment for July. We've got a few weeks still. You're good. You're good. I have to go back and get my education before I can actually help you with anything, Hannah. <laughs> true. I'd be breaking all kinds of laws, but yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, so <laughs> um, let's, let's just get to the to the to the good stuff. Yes. Uh, so you've done tons of trainings that are trauma-based trainings. I mean, yes. how many hours do you think collectively you've
0: done? Um, gosh, I don't know. Over a hundred, at least. <laughs> I'd have to add them all up.
1: I don't I, have them yeah, all
0: scanned yet. I'm in the process of doing that. and uh, scanning all my certifications in and becoming part of the official yoga cult, which is the Yoga Alliance.
1: I hope they never <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> I hope <I> they do. <laughs> um... Wow. A hundred, over a hundred. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: I did a whole weekend with Nikki Myers. Um, and that was, that was very interesting. It was um, more geared toward, but it was, it was steeped in, you know, trauma sensitivity, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you came back from that and you were just. <laughs>
0: <mind-blowing>. <laughs> yeah. And if those out there that don't know who Nikki Myers is, she is, uh, she's a lot of things, a yoga teacher that uh, I believe she's either founder or co-founder of um, Yoga for Alcoholics. It's a, oh gosh, it's a four-step program. I'm trying to remember. No, I was going to tell you who she was, and now I don't know. It'll come back to me, (laughs) so it doesn't matter. Back to trauma, yes, yes. It it was where I learned a lot about how to speak to different people. So we'll, we'll regroup.
1: So your definition of trauma, I know cause you've done a hundred plus hours of trauma training. Um, give me some definitions, what it means to you, what others are saying about it.
0: My definition comes from a couple of different uh, people. I've kind of, I don't want to say I appropriated the de- definition, because it can mean many things to different people, depending on the type of trauma you experience. So I like, I like Peter Levine. Uh, He has a book out there called Overcoming Trauma Through Yoga, through yoga, through yoga. Um, (laughs) And part of how he describes uh, what trauma is, it's a common denominator of all traumas is an alienation and disconnection from the body and a reduced capacity to be present in the here and now. And then there's another, Bur, I believe I'm saying this right, Bercelli from 2008, the emotional pain we carry within us isn't just in our heads, it's etched in our muscles. And that reminds me of the body keeps the score and how we know that um, just that your body keeps the score when there's trauma, it's stored in your body you don't necessarily have to take a physical injury as trauma to have it stuck in your body. Those will stick as well, but emotional trauma, you know, emotional abuse, emotional pain and suffering. Um, And then what I've gone on to learn with unresolved trauma, the body is stuck in the past and bodily sensations are often painful or unbearable. So it makes sense that so many people turn to drugs or alcohol or other like, what will be called self-destructive behaviors (laughs) to escape you know, the unbearable and often terrifying sensations that are in their body.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know, it makes sense. <clears throat> Why? Yeah, if
1: you, you look at your patterns, you yes. can probably trace it to some sort of trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, so we took a course with Holocori last year in mm-hmm. May, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was a trauma. Um, yoga training yes. and she said something so profound to me about trauma and she made mention that there's the big t and little t there's the big trauma and little trauma and some people's big trauma may be a little trauma for some people and vice versa and when she said that i realized i was validated In some Mm -hmm. of my life situations that, like, I went through a really, i say just a really horrible divorce um, 10 years ago in September, actually. It was wild. And it broke me to a million pieces. And for some people, that could just be a little trauma. But for me, that is a big T, a big trauma. And I'm, you know, a decade out, and I still... I can still remember exactly how I felt. And so sometimes I see my patterns coming up and showing up and I'm like, Ooh, that's why I'm doing this. It's because mm-hmm. I'm still trying to cope from that 10 years ago. So yeah, trauma is, it's, it's wild because uh-huh. we all experience it and Sometimes we just and don't. there's so
0: many different levels. And sometimes there's such horrific atrocities that can happen to humans. When we have something small happen to us, it's almost like we downplay what happened because, well, mm. so much worse happened to this person. And that is also a way of coping with trauma, downplaying your trauma. One uh. of, there's a, there's a, I'm just going to put this out there. Bessel van der Kolk, the Body Keeps the Score, that whole situation with him and all that he has done, uh, as humans can fuck up all the time. So I just want to acknowledge that this is problematic uh, from the start, but that doesn't invalidate his work in research. And one of the quotes that I like uh, is, says, fundamentally, words cannot integrate the disorganized sensation and action patterns that form the core imprint of trauma. So, you know, like when it's happening, even if it doesn't seem like a big deal to someone else, the person that it's to is... Ha- is the one that gets to decide how traumatic it is. Does that make sense of how, how traumatic it feels in their body?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And what may be traumatic at one point, like, you know, say, say you get a divorce, you know, when you're 20, 24, 25, and it's super-duper mm-hmm. traumatic. But say I were, oh, let's not say me. <laughs> say, <laughs> say, say, like, you know, 20 years later, so at 55, someone goes through a divorce, and it's just not as traumatic because they're in a different place in their life. Uh, mm-hmm. That was one of the things that Halla was saying. Is like, if you don't have the support system or the support in yourself, like if you haven't truly found your center, um, then it can, a little T can become a big T
0: mm-hmm. for
1: sure. Yeah. Okay. So trauma definitely shows up um, and is different for people. So tell, tell me how you, how you see it show up in yourself how you see it show up for other people. Um,
0: It shows up differently for everyone and it shows up. There can be patterns, but there's no, just because someone has a different pattern response, a different trauma response than someone else doesn't make their trauma response wrong. So just because what I'm about to say is specific to me, doesn't mean it's correct across the board, you know, like statistically speaking, most people that suffer, most females that suffer sexual trauma typically have eating disorder or disordered eating. Now you can also say just societally speaking, most females have disordered eating or look at it, just look at food in a disordered fashion. And that, that is a different type of trauma that is what i would call like societal trauma where diet culture all of that kind of stuff plays into that but then if you have sexual trauma on top of that i feel like that's where it can compound and it can be more extreme so instead of being able to speak about my sexual trauma eating disorders help you squash the words whether you starve yourself or overfill yourself Uh, an eating disorder isn't just one thing. It's not just anorexia. It's not just compulsive overeating. There's a whole spectrum. So it can show up that way. It can show up with extreme rage. You know, it can show up in many ways for me personally, when I know that I am fully triggered and not just emotional, it's a full, full embodiment. And it just, it just takes over. I can't, I am in fight flight freeze. And now they're calling it annihilate and, For that, I'm going to just say what I have for my what comes up in our training. When mammals are threatened, they fight, flight, or they freeze. In humans, the fight, flight, or freeze mechanism is easy to turn on and very hard to turn off. PTSD Mm -hmm. results when we don't have an outlet to release traumatic patterning from the body. So you can either get stuck in that flight, and you've seen people just rage, 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 rage until they calm down. You can get stuck in flight where you just run, 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 run. To get away or you freeze and now there's annihilate and annihilate i associate with back when i was a kid there wasn't there was no rule against beating the shit out of your wife right and then all of a sudden they had these wives that were killing their husbands and they were in a rage and they called it battered wife syndrome that's what annihilate is in my brain that's how i translate it like it's always been there they just never had a name for it so you stay in those conditions until you can calm down and when you're in your ptsd reaction it's because your body is literally feels like it is fighting for its life and it needs to do something to get to safety and until it feels safe, it won't calm down. And that's how long you stay in your trauma response, regardless of what it is. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: I, you know, I don't think I ever truly experienced it until about two and a half years ago when my child was like six weeks old. And I remember feeling like I was put in a corner and this, I'm not even going to say mama bear, mama lion came out in me. And I wasn't, I wasn't scared of anything. <laughs> just
0: You were probably in annihilate mode, Like you were ready to murder or go after whatever was trying to harm your child.
1: Yes. It's, it's really interesting to think of like, I, I, years, I've years i done years of um, school in psychology, bachelor's in psychology, master's in psychology. And then I was like, I'm going to be a yoga teacher. <laughs> but little <laughs> did I know how much psychology is truly in yoga. Um, right. And so to actually like have studied it for so long and then experienced it um, just kind of put me in a different place. I think for years I've squashed things down, but it's just what you're saying. is like I was in complete fight or flight and mm-hmm. that rage came and that rate, it wasn't going anywhere. Wasn't going anywhere. Cause I would have ran if I could, you know, that's my, my, that's my first motive. What's yours. What do you do? Mine is I, I fly away, that's what I go for first.
0: I freeze at first I freeze and I, my body tightens up. And then I try to like assess and look around for like validation. Like, is this really fucking happening? And then depending on the situation, if I can settle down, um, I'm going to bark it down. I'm going to start to fight.
1: I've actually seen you do that. I have seen you do that.
0: Yeah. Just like I get on high alert. I'm like a dog at the fence. I'm like, and my ears go up and I'm looking (laughs) around and I'm like, and I'm trying to like read the energy. And then like, I will bark at you. Like I will come out (laughs) aggressively if I feel any kind of way. And it doesn't mean like, I feel like I need to protect myself, and that doesn't necessarily mean that what I'm picking up on is what that person is bringing. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes because you can be so traumatized throughout your life that everything that puts you on guard is a problem, but not every situation is problematic.
1: That's why. That's why I People feel. People get stuck in
0: reactions.
1: Yeah, that's why I feel yoga is so important because. It makes us less. I'm saying less, and I always preface less, 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 less reaction. It
0: gives you the pause, yes. It gives you you that alert, and then you can look around, and then you get to decide for yourself whether or not you feel safe in your body instead of automatically not feeling safe in your body because you've been so traumatized, and I am that person that was so traumatized, and before I got to yoga, I was that nuclear reactor. Everything was a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're right. That's exactly what yoga brings. It gives you that moment to, it connects you to your body so you can actually feel safe in your body. You've got to do it slowly, especially if you've been traumatized a lot, like I have, you know, like you have complex trauma, there's a history, there's generational trauma, all of that kind of stuff. You've got to take it slow, but yes, you can reconnect with yoga. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Reconnecting with the body and then finding that, um, I'm very type A, very go, go, go. Um, especially like speaking of trauma, like you find out that you, when I discovered that I really had postpartum anger, I was like full force in, how do I fix it? And that's kind of traumatic. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, yoga gives us this, yoga gives us space. Yoga is expansive. And uh, less reactive, you know, I will always say yoga has taught me to be less reactive, because you will still have a reaction. I don't know when we will never not have a reaction. Um, you know, I think that takes lots and lots and lots of work. And I don't really know if biologically, we were made to not have any sort of reaction. Because correct, we, we were not.
0: Right? Yes, that was our protective mechanism way back before we had, you know, modern day things yeah uh-huh. no, yeah
1: like there was just a spider in my car so I'm I pulled over um near my in-laws house so I can get my kid on time and there's a spider in my car just now and I was like oh my god <laughs> you know, my response was it's gonna get me
0: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, because uh-huh. I've been bitten
1: by one before so uh,
0: that's
1: awesome. right that's called a little t for me <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a little trauma Um. So you you spoke about generational trauma, and I want to read this. And I didn't read it to you when we talked earlier because I wanted you to hear it now. But this is a quote I saw on Facebook this week from Jeff Brown. He's an amazing author, and he wrote a book called Love It Forward. And that book uh, is one of those like top ten awakening books for myself. Mm -hmm. And I listened to. And I need a physical copy of it because I want to just pick things from it and then journal on it. I mean, it's that good, Michelle. It's wow. one of those that you see so many, so many little holes that you can go deeper into yourself. Like, ooh, look, we can explore this over here. Or, oh, mm-hmm. my goodness, and this ties back. It's just, it was a great book. But he said, trauma isn't someone else's story. It's your story, too. It's everyone's story, whether they know it or not. We may have found a way to repress it, but that doesn't mean it's gone. It's still in there, running the individual and the collective show. Only when we make the conscious choice to unpack it will we be free. Our ancestors had no choice but to bury it. But because of their contribution, we can choose otherwise. We can choose to heal ourselves and them together. We are the pioneers of a healing humanity, and what a beautiful opportunity that is. So let's get to work. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. It makes me think. um, So I'm obsessed with ancestral just work, like knowing where I came from. And then it embarked on ancestral healing and realizing some of my own family traumas that I never really knew were there because, you know, they were quote unquote little T's. But obviously they're big T's if they keep going on for generations.
0: Yeah, and I've said this to you before, little traumas, the little T traumas, I feel like they, they add up. No, oh, they do. Even <laughs> if they're not the same. Even if they're not the same. And I almost feel like it's kind of like on the same level as microaggressions, you know, mm. on all the levels across the board, you know? Um, yeah, if you had enough of them, boom, you explode at some point because it's just, it's not the one thing. It's the it's the result of all of the things.
1: God, you know? if that ain't the truth right there. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Whenever someone in explodes, it's not because it's typically not because of, especially if it's, a, if it's an explosive, what most people in the, in the moment would call an overreaction to the circumstances. It's not because of what's happening in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's because All of the things, things that has happened, happened to this person and we cannot possibly have every aspect of another person's perspective. We can only come with ours. And that's how we project our shit because we only have ours. We try to make sense out of things from our limited perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, interesting. I love talking about trauma. <laughs> it's, I... it's uh, yeah, it's all the things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when we start to unpack it, when we start to heal our trauma, whether or not it's even like our personal trauma, um, I did. So yesterday I recorded a whole bunch of um, online workshops that I'm going to have up on teachable. Mm -hmm. And I recorded the ancestral healing workshop. And, you know, we when we work on healing our family wounds, our family trauma, so genetics, if something happened, you know, say like the Great Depression, or say, you know, the you know, the potato famine, say something like that, like, say something like that happened. That gets passed on in our blood and our bones through genetics, through DNA, and we keep carrying that. So you may find yourself in, like, a lack mentality. I know for me, that's one of my huge things is never feeling like I am enough, I have enough, or I do enough. And I look at my family's history, and I can pinpoint to where that came from. And I see it in my mom, I see it in my grandma, and I could just continue seeing it back and back and back. So when we work on healing that trauma, we heal that trauma seven generations back and seven generations forward. And how freaking amazing is that? How beautiful is that, that we were given this opportunity in this life? I'm talking to you, Michelle, that you were given this opportunity in this life and you know it to heal the family yeah. wounds. Yeah, yeah, it's a big part of
0: what's happening in my family now. That's why I've been talking about generational trauma. And some people are just looking at me like I'm, I'm crazy. But there's patterns that repeat in families that, um, that you can stop. And that's what I call myself. Like, we're the change makers in our family, Hannah. Like I feel like we are the ones that are insisting on change in our family, the way it operates in the, from the inside out. You know, not just on the outside of the fence of barking in for your parents to change. My parents are in their 70s. Like, I can't expect them to... I can't expect them to... By me attempting to what I could possibly see as invalidating their life experience to make them think one way because mine is better. No, like we have to do it together. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you work on yourself and then you go back to your core. You go back to your roots and you work with everyone else. Not everyone else is going to be <laughs> willing to do the work and that's
1: okay. They don't
0: have to. It doesn't mean you can't.
1: You know, it's so interesting that you say that. It's kind of like you can't teach an old dog new tricks.
0: You can't, but I can be different. And, and the more different I am, I watch my father react differently to me and my mother and exactly. things are shifting without me trying to control them into shifting.
1: Exactly. So, this morning I was talking with a girlfriend and she said that someone told her the reason that some people don't change. Like if you, like, if you think about like expanding their mind, think about, you know, hundreds of years ago, it Mm -hmm. was safer to believe what they always believed because if they were to believe something new, they would have to put energy towards that. So energy towards living that energy towards learning that. And I think about, you know, as people get older, I mean, even just myself included, I know I'm only in my mid thirties, but my energy level is not what it's always been. Let's just be honest. It could be because I have a turdler, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, the, the energy, (laughs) maybe (laughs) the energy (laughs) that it takes to, to pro to learn something new, to process it in our mind and then to live it. I would imagine if you're 88, you don't have all that energy towards that. Your energy has depleted and your exactly. energy because you are, you are eventually going to pass away. I mean, it's, it's, it's in it process.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So when she said that, I'm like, wow, that's why they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks because you really can't. They don't have the energy or the capacity for that. It's not that their brain doesn't have the capacity to learn more. It's that they can't full, fully embody this new idea. And so, yeah, your parents, they're probably not going to want to do that, but they'll, they'll change based on how you change because you just raise mm-hmm. your vibration up, right? Yep, Yeah.
0: Yep. If I'm reacting differently to situations and you know stuff that used to draw me in argumentatively doesn't draw me in anymore on my end, the argument's done. Like, I'm not... I'm just not arguing about this. And it just kind of dissipates the situation most times, not always. Some people are looking <laughs> for a fight and they go fucking stop till they get a fight, Hannah. And then but still, it's my decision on whether I, I jump in. I feel like I'm in it like a, a old school game of like double Dutch when I was in middle school, you know, like you're just rocking back and forth and waiting for your time to jump in and do you jump in or do you not, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when you know, that you have regulated yourself when now fight flight or freeze is a choice you've regulated your traumas to where it's not automatically you're you're landing in your nervous system like a like a like a stomp it's you you have that moment to pause you're connected to your body you can feel outside of just the trauma that's stuck you can feel other things now because you've re- you've released the stuck energy from your body through yoga through an energetic or spiritual practice
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's you think about how many times you've been laying in shavasana right mm-hmm. and like some thought from like when you were three years old comes up good or bad and you're just like whoa where did that come from that's because we just yeah. released some of that stuff mm-hmm Yep. you know, like hip openers, you know, we always talk about hip openers, you're probably going to get angry, or sad, mm-hmm. or yeah, I was gonna say, or the opposite, you're gonna cry, or you're gonna be mad <laughs> to shit.
0: And maybe <laughs> somewhere in the middle, maybe you don't have that type of trauma. So these poses will have a different effect. It doesn't mean they're ineffective. It means that that's not where your
1: release needs to come from. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's di- yeah, and it's different for everybody. Like yoga um, was
0: never group setting it's why it was one-on-one in India
1: and I I still uh, yeah I love when I'm able to work with somebody one-on-one I know as a business um, that's not always like it's just that's not yeah uh it's the best but I've always I have always been blessed when just one person signs up like you know what it's still happening because that one person needs it and it's it goes both ways because in the end, you realize how much you needed that as well. Because it mm-hmm. shows you the healing practice, the healing powers. Sorry, Yoga Alliance.
0: Um, <laughs> <of> yoga. <laughs> <laughs> gonna get to I'm not even in yet. and I'm going to be out. <laughs> uh,
1: I wish I could change that. I wish I could change, you know, the, if y'all don't know, the reason Yoga Alliance doesn't want us to say healing is because we're not doctors or therapists. So we're not allowed to offer any, um, healing advice, I guess, because, yeah, yeah so, because I hard mean, hard we've hard probably hard done hard. as much school as they have. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. You, also yeah. yoga therapists, they're allowed to do that as well. They, they're allowed to say that, but yes. So is there anything else you want to say to trauma? um
0: that if you are struggling with it know that there is hope that you don't have to struggle forever and it may take a long time to heal it um but until you uh can start to open up about it nothing will change my perspective That's how I was able to heal it when I was able to start talking about it. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that by me talking about the things that happened and the feelings behind that uh, more so than the details of the trauma, the feelings behind the trauma and how that manifested in my life would ever not only help me, but help others. So when we all start talking about it, not that we're trying to normalize the act we're trying to normalize the healing
1: yes because if if we can talk about it and normalize the healing then there may be less trauma happening out there because a lot of times the trauma that's inflicted on people is inflicted from someone that the trauma has happened to
0: yes yes hurt people hurt people right Yeah, not many happy people are dragging people down out there with their happiness, right? Like, but the hurt <laughs> people are hurting people. The angry people are making people even are making people angry, not making people angry, but drawing in anger. Like it's easy for someone to come in hot and then all of a sudden you're screaming back and forth. And I was like, well, I wasn't mad 30 seconds ago until this fool showed up all hot and bothered, you know, and then you're in it because we can't help but meet the energy. It's automatic You know, we needed our nervous systems to be on high alert when we were running from pterodactyls back in the day. So, but we don't need it now when we're humans and we have a better way to communicate, you know? I, yes, I
1: have a visual of you running from a pterodactyl. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need somebody to draw that. (laughs) Where's Jackie? (laughs) Jackie! (laughs) Oh, Oh, that is good. But yes, 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 we, our energy, it's just like you said, you know, talking about your parents, they're going to meet you at this energy because this is, Mm -hmm. you have this expansive energy right now because you're doing the work. And so they have a choice. Do I meet her there or do I go away because I don't want to rise up to that? And we've all been around people like that. You know, we've all had friendships or relationships that we're like you know what I don't feel good when I'm around you why don't I feel good and it may be nothing about that person it just may be vibrationally where they're at right now Mm -hmm. and that's where we come in with yoga again where we have compassion for them it doesn't mean I don't love you anymore it just means I can't be with you right now
0: right right and you set boundaries around the amount of time you spend with that person that's how it works for me Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) like I've I have a hard time cutting people out of my life because we don't mix energetically like that. That has been something that I shifted because I used to chop people off at the knees all the time. Now, now if there's an issue, I will speak to you, you know, I will speak to you one-on-one and I will let you know how I'm feeling. And then if we can't have a conversation around that, then, then, then I'll let you know that we can't be friends anymore. that I need a break from this relationship. You know,
1: Absolutely. that's a, it's protecting, it's protecting your own energy. Myself. Your own yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. So I
0: don't go back and hide in myself and hide behind my trauma. And always, I don't want to live my life from a victim standpoint. I know I was a victim and I was victimized for a very long period of time in my life. But you can step out of that role and you can stand outside of, it, it's not who you are. It's mm-hmm. what happened to you. You know, and there's a different headspace surrounding each perspective of that. What happened to you can become who you are, but it doesn't have to. And I understand, and I have compassion for those that are stuck in that, that can't get out and around. You know, the trauma I, they experienced. I'm
1: just thinking about so many people that we've we've met in this yoga journey that are that have made themselves their trauma, and it's. <sighs> yeah. You know,
0: it is, it is heartbreaking. And I was there for a long time and I didn't know where else to go because you can only go so far in the physical world with it. You can only go so far as stereotypically training your body out of trauma. you you, you need, you need more, you need the physical practice. You need the mental part of it. So like for lack of a better term, the, the therapy aspect of it, And then also energetically, which I translate as spiritually, you can translate that that as breath, however you want to do it. It's a threefold. And I think we only come at it as an American society from a twofold. Mm -hmm. If you think about why we came over to America, it was for spiritual, it was for uh, religious freedom. We were running from whatever the hell was going on then. Like there's, I mean, we can read history books, but we all know how that's blowing up in our face between (laughs) last year and now, right? Like they're only teaching us the victor's standpoint, not the the non-victor's standpoint. And they had a perception as well. They had an experience too, but we were running from something to create our own and we were willing to kill for it. Mm -hmm. We can't slaughtered people that were already here doing their thing and we took over because i think we came in our nervous systems we came in fight flight freeze annihilate, and we were just like we need out of here and we're going to create our own and doesn't matter what happened you know i mean shit we've all seen game of thrones at least bits and pieces i'm not a watcher but i feel like it's historical (laughs) fiction there's some there's some truth to that too right like there's some i don't know i feel like it was just violent
1: Yes, and it was. I mean, you look at you look at last year. I know for myself, I'm just. I think I'm starting to come out of it because I'm able to be creative again. And you can't be creative when you're living in your
0: in your nervous aesthetic system. nervous
1: system. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I mean, just in you know, 2020. I, I'm gonna say 2021. I think maybe in 2022 we'll all start to see the, the breath. The we'll take a deep ah! breath again. Yeah. Whew. Okay, yeah. But, Shake it off. I mean yeah. the anger, the fear, uh, the division that came through was because we were all so scared. And survival, root chakra, muladhara. that is our number one. How do I feel safe and secure? And if that's not met, I can't meet my other needs. And mm-hmm. whew, so yes, that's I do believe that's what our ancestors did. And mm-hmm. They just, they didn't know how to tap into anything else, but through yoga, <laughs> we're learning and hopefully we can change that and, you know, heal generations back. You know, our ancestors, it's heavily unfortunate that that's what happened. Yes. But hopefully we can all collectively work to heal our past traumas and work together as a whole. hmm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and we all have generational trauma, even though we're
0: two white women talking about this. We all have, regardless of skin color, we all
1: have. Michelle, where'd you go? And we're back.
0: We're back. I cut off abruptly, so we're trying to pick off where I pick up where I left off and I was talking about um, ancestors, and I think I left off. I was about to say, I didn't quite finish my sentence, and it was that if you grew up in the United States, you do have along your ancestral line, um, grandparents, great-grandparents, maybe even great-greats, depending on how old you are, my grandmother lived through the Great Depression. So you mentioned a, a place of lack mentality and I think that might be where it comes from for a lot of people in America. Um, especially if you had uh, relatives that were born here, you know, before it was in the twenties and my grandmother was born in 1928. So, you know, it reverberates throughout that. It's not just the years that it happened, the repercussions and the fallout lasts a long time. I think years and years and years, probably even more like the fallout from this pandemic. That we're all going to see over the next probably five to ten years, you know, with anxiety disorders, things like that.
1: Yeah, it all again,
0: part of trauma, you know.
1: Yeah, it's not just we don't just immediately see um, the effects, you know. It's like no. you look you look in the mirror sometimes you're like, whoa, like when did, when did I get that wrinkle? Well, it's been happening over the, <laughs> over the pandemic.
0: Um- it appears to have happened just overnight. It looks like you woke up like that, but it's not actually true it's just like little micro changes you know over time
1: exactly exactly yes my I can trace some um, of the, when I mentioned the lack mentality um, I can trace it through some of my my family lines and the more ancestral work I did where I saw where they grew up where they lived how many kids they had it really showed me that wow the reason that these grandparents have behaved the way they do is because they had to, you know, when you're one of 11, one of 13. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, just even, just even that little bit of trauma in their life, I say a little bit, I'm saying like just that uh, raising that they had can carry on into me. It can carry on through genetics or it can carry on through behaviors um beliefs etc. So trauma isn't just, you know, or like you were saying the other day like to these horrible things that have happened to you. It could have been something that happened to your family and you're, you know, dealing with it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I blame all of my eating disorder on one thing, but I don't think that's where all of my disordered eating comes from. Now that we're having this conversation, like I look at my dad and he was uh, a huge part of the clean your plate club back in the day where his mom and dad grew up in the depression. So everything that he had came from a lack mentality or a scarcity mentality. And that's a form of trauma. When you don't feel like you have enough, sometimes you can, that can translate, you know, <clears throat> through your systems, mind, body, and brain, mind, body, and breath, <clears throat> that you aren't enough. You know, sometimes I've heard Brene Brown say, sometimes when people think that they, because you do bad things, you are a bad person, but that's not always true. Everybody has that capability. So going back to what I was saying, my dad made us clean our plate and he's, he's always told us, well, you don't understand how I grew up. There was one of seven, his father was a raging abusive alcoholic. And when there was food in the house, you ate it and you ate it all, whether it was good or not, you ate it because you didn't know where your next meal was coming from. And to continually grow up in that headspace, it makes you, it it forms you in a certain way and not saying that it's good or bad. It's just how it is. And then you bring that mentality into your family, you know, with my mom and then with us, and it was always clean your plate. There was no choice.
1: You didn't have (laughs) an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I find that very interesting. My grandparents, that's how they were was to clean your plate. And I, I watch myself do it. Like I have to clean my plate. plate and i look at my husband mm-hmm. and he doesn't clean his plate. And it's so funny because that is exactly okay. who we are as people. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, it's the same thing. And I was like, Chris, the first time
0: we, me and Chris, like got to know each other and we were like having a casual dinner instead of like a date where it was just, I realized that he didn't eat everything on his plate. And I was like, you didn't eat that last bite of hamburger. And he goes, I'm full. And I looked at him like he was out of his mind. You're <laughs> full. Like that's not a reason to stop eating. Not in my mind because it's still on. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> hello. Um, and, I mean, again, not a judgment. Just noticing um, the differences in people and how influence does just that. It influences
1: you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? Having having uh, river, having a little toddler who is quite picky. Um, I have to get over a lot of my fears of throwing food away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And oh yeah, and my mom was always, "When they're starving kids, and you picked the country that wasn't the United States, and they would lay the shame and the guilt on us for intentionally not listening to my body." And I wonder why I struggle today. Um, hello, you know, I know why I struggle today. It makes sense.
1: Absolutely. And the thing is, is they didn't they didn't know this. You know, they didn't know that's what this is. And that's the crazy thing with trauma and doing the, like doing the work and seeing the patterns and how it comes up. Sometimes we don't know exactly where it comes from and it takes us a while. And then when we see it, we really have to work hard at not being upset, mad, sad, angry, frustrated, or whatever with, where it came from you know like I know that I with
0: those situations though like sometimes I can be depending on how I how severe it felt to me does that make sense oh damn there's my tagline somebody <laughs> owes me five dollars um <laughs> but yeah the, I, you know what I'm talking about like sometimes I can be neutral with something quote-unquote bad that's happened to me if it's talked about later and sometimes I can't mm-hmm. yeah. It just I don't know it feels like apples and oranges sometimes well, it is stuff I'll
1: react to it, stuff that I can't be neutral to. you know? yes, actually, everything is apples. My kid thinks oranges are apples, so everything oh, is apples. I'm <laughs> so little. He's doing that when he's twenty.
0: There's a problem, but he's he's two <laughs> and a half, so I think we're all right. Because <laughs> hey, it's our kid, we our child, Hannah. You
1: know. Yes, yes, yours too, yours too.
0: <laughs> but
1: yes. So, is there anything else that you want to talk on trauma?
0: I'm trying to think um, if I left anything out because I got, we got my headphones just disconnected. So abruptly, I'm, I'm a little bit like, ah, I don't know what happened. So I was trying to go trying to think back of where we were, but that conversation was so quick and so fast at the same time. Um, yeah. I could talk for days on trauma, but that doesn't mean I necessarily need to or <laughs> people, people out there listening might not. Cause it can get heavy. You know, like when I lecture on it during our trainings, it's, It's a lot like you need a break after that we usually do it and then go to lunch or something like that just to kind of shake it off which is the other thing we have um, gotten out of doing literally shaking it off mammals do it all mammals do it animals do it dogs cats like out in the wild, when they come into trauma, uh, possums play dead. And then, when they don't actually have to die, like the threat is over, they come up and they have to shake. Like you've seen a dog shake after getting into a fight or any animal, things like that. You know, um, we don't do it. We've socialized ourselves out of doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. And that
0: I feel like is problematic for humans.
1: You know, because we don't release. I did. And I know you know this, but those listening probably don't know that that I did this unless you did our teacher training this last year. But I listened to um, Sahara Rose and she was talking about doing uh, like the shamanic shake. And you let your whole body just shake. And then you also scream and grunt and like whatever comes out, you just let everything come out. And I did that one day. And I did it maybe, maybe just like five or seven minutes. And Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. I felt so good after my kid kept walking in there, like looking at me. Is she okay? But it felt so good. And these things that came out of me were so primal. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed at this. But I mean, the only other person here was my, at the time, he was like one and a half year old. And Mm -hmm. I was so embarrassed at first. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. And then finally it was just, this feels so good. So we actually did it in our last teacher training. And whenever I'm in a situation where I just get too wound up now, I really try to do that. Or, you know, like people get in their car and scream and hit the um, steering wheel. It's it's the same, it's the same concept, but Mm -hmm. yeah, we're meant to do it. We just don't do it. It's, a lot of people just think that it's just anger and I would much rather scream and shake it out than taking it out on anybody else.
0: Agreed. Uh, but sometimes I don't have a choice. If yeah. it's too amped up of a situation and I'm triggered into my PTSD, I'm going to, I'm going to attack you like a feral cat. Like there's just, <laughs> it's not, there's, I don't have a choice, you know, cause my system is set for safety and when it feels unsafe to an extreme extent then boom it's just automatic it's the running from pterodactyls thing again we need it we need to keep ourselves safe now because of the trauma that i've sustained not every again i'll say it again not every everything that approaches me is trauma worthy but sometimes my body and my brain react as it is as if it is
1: sometimes we have a hard time processing yes as the pathways just get crisscrossed uh-huh that's- and I also think that people,
0: some people don't, don't want to do the work.
1: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that we are here being here on earth is a requirement of doing the work. It is for me, it feels like it for me. Um, but not everyone is on board. And <laughs> you said something about rage just a second ago. And that's what triggered that thought process. And I thought about that when I was driving home today, like not, no one is required to do the work. Like we don't have to do it as humans. And those are the people that I'm just going to say, it pissed me off the most, you know, (laughs) and that's my shit coming to the surface, right? Like just because you don't want to do the self work, that means I have a problem with you off the bat. Like that's kind of crazy, but also it's not untrue. You know, I won't, I won't be able to sustain a friendship or, any kind of thing if you're not in and i've lost friends over this and i understand that but then i actually told one that you're, you're asking me to be something that i'm not you're asking me to not process at all times and i i can't do that
1: mm-hmm.
0: this between you and i isn't going to work it's going to have to be a surface level friendship and i'm not that type of bitch i'm just not
1: <laughs> i that that is definitely a conversation that I want us to have for another podcast is to talk about, uh, the mirror. And I know we talked about it a little bit, uh, yesterday off, off the air. <laughs> we did. So legit. Uh, but yeah, I think that talking about the mirror, you know, everybody thinks that yoga is just this physical practice and, or it's pranayama and breath work, uh, Meditation and Instagram worthy posts. But (laughs) a lot of, (laughs) yeah, a lot of yoga is really the self exploration, figuring Mm -hmm. out who you truly are. And it doesn't always happen on the mat. I mean, what we do on the mat is what we take out into the world. And so that time on your mat is so precious, but a lot of times those gems aren't going to come to you on the mat. They're going to come to you when you're driving down the road or when you've had an interaction with your family and you didn't react this time and you actually saw the mirror. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's, that's when you have those big aha moments and you realize, wow yoga works,
0: right? It does. It goes back to that pause. It gives you a moment to take a deep breath in and to connect with your body and your brain, not just your brain, because sometimes your brain can override what your body is telling you. I ignore my hunger and fullness cues all the time. I ignore my urinary bladder all the time. My brain has the ability to do that. Your body can't get outside of itself.
1: I do not know how you ignore your urinary bladder, but kudos for that.
0: Oh, bro, it's hard. <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't always work. Like <laughs> there's a few slip ups, I'll say that.
1: <laughs> so let's wrap up. And can you, because since you've done so much trauma training, um, would you be willing to share how and what you look for in a teacher where you feel safe? having done the training and have experienced trauma where you need that safe space. And a lot of people don't realize that they need that safe space.
0: Um, No, you don't until you have that safe space. And it is not about telling someone. I, I, I was about to use some very long, strong language. I do not appreciate being told that there is a safe space being created. I'm creating a safe space. Well, hold on. You don't, you don't do that by saying it. It's not a command. It's a sensation. It's a feeling. It's an awareness in and of yourself of what you're bringing and feeling your trauma on the forefront of your body and your energy before you step in to teach a class that we have. I feel like as yoga teachers, we have to compartmentalize. We have to hold our stuff in, in order not to spread it out as negative and I didn't know I needed a safe space until I had one. And then when I had one, and I stepped outside of that in yoga, there's very few yoga teachers that I can take their class and feel safe. Even friends of mine, I know I'm like, I just don't feel safe in your class. And it's not that they're doing anything specific. Sometimes it's just languaging. Sometimes it's just like a sarcastic remark. And don't get me wrong, I'm full of those things in my class. But I'm also aware of what I'm doing. You know, and I'm not flipping about it. So it's less about saying that you're creating a safe space. And not only does the safe the space need to be safe, it also needs to be brave. It's not about not accepting the people that come in with their emotions on their sleeve and they have hard times. Like I've seen people say that they've created a safe space, but then as soon as someone comes in with an opposing viewpoint or something like that, the conversation is shut down and no one's willing to even like speak to this person out there because they have a different point of view. So not only does it need to be safe, it needs to be brave so that everybody can interact. Everybody feels welcome at the table, not just, I called it an elitist sport before and yoga can be taught as an elitist sport. And that's where I I get off that path. Mm -hmm. So it's not about saying that it's a safe space. I have to feel safe. When I close my eyes, can I do it and feel okay? And if I can't, then that might not be the space for me. And sometimes it's me. I'm off my game when I take class. And it's not perfection every time. It's the practice. So sometimes I won't give it. I'm not one and done with the teacher. Well, that's not true. Sometimes I am, depending <laughs> on what comes out when, we're, when, they're, when they're leading a the class. And that's okay. It's not a knock on them. It's just that they're not the right teacher for me. We have mm-hmm. to, you have to find the connection. It's a connection. And you, you won't know it until you feel it a lot of times. But the disconnect that we have as a society kind of, like, it also is problematic because we're so disconnected from physical sensation. Um, We might not even know it when we feel it.
1: Would you recommend people coming before class or staying after if they want to try the teacher again? Because I think, I think for me, that helps to, I like to get in class early, not just to get settled myself, but also to meet the teacher just to see, like, how do they act beforehand what am i about exactly. to get myself into
0: right all right especially if you're coming
1: in with a
0: non-stereotypical body of any sort you, you know uh an injury yes. anything you know i had a, a couple of ladies that came to my yin class for several years that had cp cerebral palsy and uh, not everyone not only wants to deal with that but has the compassion and kindness within themselves to know that there's not something wrong with that person their body just functions differently biomechanically and once you look at that person that way it takes like the shame guilt and blame away from whatever they've got going on physically Mm -hmm. and people of all shapes and sizes need that i think to feel comfortable so yes stay after class come early to class talk to the teacher what you think a simple conversation sometimes can rule people in or
1: out and yeah and do your research if you if you are someone that has experienced i would say pretty severe trauma and you are wanting to take a class you don't know if you'll feel safe do a little bit of research on the teacher a lot of yoga teachers have their Instagram or their Facebook public because they're, you know, that's how they make their money. Is they want their a personality, whether we like it or not, we kind of are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can kind of get a, a a little bird's eye view into their life and see what they're about. But remember. <laughs> social media is not real (laughs) right it is the best
0: parts of your life typically it's the best photo out of the thousand that you've taken it's the best you know shot or the best if you've rewritten the thing four or five times then you post it things like that (laughs) so usually right on something like that where it's going to be quote-unquote permanent
1: if you have a hard time gauging somebody based on social media I'll give you an idea of how so if they do a lot of super duper positive uplifting super long posts with them like a a selfie there that's a red flag it really is it's a it's a red flag because everything's not rainbows and butterflies and that's the first Mm -hmm. thing you have to learn and in the yoga community there can be a lot of spiritual bypassing and that's you know, everything's love and light that so you can't, you don't even see the darkness. You're like, Oh, there's no darkness. Let's have her. And that's a we, podcast
0: for another day too. I know
1: I put that on the list, <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> but you know, that's, that's, that's the way you can gauge like, mm, maybe that person's not for me because if they're bypassing just in their social media, I can assure you they're bypassing in their yoga class for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. So for me, um, I would, I look towards, teachers that I know are a little deeper when they're a little Mm -hmm. more introspective. I know that they'll be able to hold a safer container because they're not just in the physical, they're not just in, um, in it for that aspect. And they're not just in it for themselves. They're in it for you as well. So to Mm -hmm. me, that speaks, speaks volumes when I can find a teacher like that. But I'm also one of those that will just, you know, try and take any teacher i can because i i love to i love to make myself crazy in yoga classes <laughs> i do not <laughs> like, there, how many times are they going to say ing i know i say yeah and uh a lot on these things because it's really it's, it's awesome
0: and once you go through a teacher training you will never look at a yoga class that you take as an individual the same again I couldn't just the stuff that I learned I was like oh I didn't learn that oh I didn't learn that oh she's not supposed to do that oh he's not supposed to do that and it was just like it became this almost like crazy critique of how I wanted to be as a teacher viewed through the lens of all the teachers that I had taken up to that point
1: Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) yeah
0: I'm trying not to say my tagline yeah Um, And that's not a bad thing. I don't think it's bad to pull aspects of what you've learned and it's total appropriation, but I also feel like, I don't know, call me an appropriator then. (laughs) It's kind of what our country is founded on. So if you live here, you're part of that culture, whether you want to be or not, we just took it, made it ours. not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's what happened. You know,
1: it is, it is. I, I feel like we're all starting to see, see the shift, you know, if you, Mm -hmm. everything that's going on with Palestine and Israel right now, just, whew. Insane. Yeah. It's really intense because it's almost like we are reliving what our ancestors went through. Mm. And how do, how do we heal that? Will we help make this change? Um so it's something that actually has been keeping me up at night, which is you know, I love to sleep, so
0: <laughs> I
1: wake up thinking about these things. Um so yes, trauma, yoga and trauma. Yoga can definitely help you process trauma. Um uh, mm-hmm. it can help you
0: I can a few things on that if you want. Yeah. doing good. I mean you're doing great. I'm not trying to cut you off, <laughs> your your input is, you know, but yeah. Okay. Uh, So why yoga for trauma? Yoga can help people move out of the past and into the present. Uh, Yoga is a tool for self-regulation, your nervous system through mindfulness, breathing and postures, connecting your body and your mind with your breath can be very helpful. Uh, Sometimes you have to go slow, slower than you may want to go. But yeah, I said it (laughs) earlier. Yoga was not something that I was going to be able to power through. I had to slow down. Um, yoga can be a non-judgmental, non-threatening, non-competitive self-care practice. Um, yoga can offer a way to reclaim the sense of identity, meaning, purpose, and self-actualization. There's a whole, like, list of stuff. Um, it can help with intrusive thoughts. Um all kinds of things. Uh, It improves breathing, reduces cortisol, decreases your blood pressure, uh, decreases heart rate. And I think that's all because you, now you have an outlet for stress. You can move stuck energy and sensation, which energy is or emotion is energy in motion, right? So if it's stuck in your body, it's stuck energy. If you learn how to move that through, now you have a stress reliever. Doctors recommend yoga to relieve stress. But they don't tell you how yoga relieves stress. And I believe that's one of the ways it does it, depending on what kind you're doing. If you're doing the vigorous movement, or even if you're just sitting in yin and holding still in a relaxed way, focusing on your breath and calming down, that's a stress reliever too. How often do we take time to do that? Not very often.
1: It makes me think about The Whole Brain Child, which is an amazing book. I can't remember right off the top of my head. The guy, it's like Daniel something um that wrote it but he I read it when we were uh sheltered in place last year and he was talking about move it or lose it about kids like when kids are going crazy and they've just been stuck inside you've got to get them outside so they can move it they can move those feelings out of their body and I'm listening to it as I'm walking and it was was probably like our third walk that day and I realized oh my gosh that's me when I have emotion stuck in my body, I have to move it. And a lot of times, if it's really like, if I'm really stressed out, it's I need to go walk by myself um, or throw my mat out and do, do a little practice, but move it or lose it. If I don't move it, I will lose it. And it's not, it's, and not, it's very- not
0: lose the ability to lose your mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've seen me stomp around downtown Canton a handful of times when I've been so like agitated and amped up for what was going on that we walked a mile in like eight minutes of stomping around you know just yeah stomping <laughs> if, it out moving it out
1: if y'all don't know I'm five two how tall are you Michelle uh, six, three. six three so my short little shrimpy chihuahua legs chased after her in that mile and it was you keep up your short little shrimpy chihuahua legs you keep up. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to
0: race you, that's for sure, because I think those little chihuahua legs will beat these long ass giraffe legs in a foot race over time. <laughs>
1: uh, yes. So, yeah, we have to, sometimes we have to just move it. I love that. I love uh, the idea of emotion, energy stuck.
0: Uh huh. Energy, emotion is energy in motion. And when trauma gets stuck in your body, the energy gets stuck there. So if you think of your brain like a processing, a, a CPU, you know, like a computer processing unit, like it, it's constantly moving and that's energy. Your computer gets hot. It gets warm. You feel the fan turn on and off. Like you get hot, you get cold. Same thing. Um, and over time, you're going to have to turn your laptop off at some point. It's going to overheat. Same thing <laughs> with your brain. You
1: know, I just had to do that yesterday. I was like, I don't think I've turned you off. No. <laughs> And that's what yoga does, turns you off.
0: (laughs) Well, not like literally turns you off, but it helps (laughs) you find a way to reduce stress. And sometimes you fall asleep in Shavasana. Sometimes that's the biggest compliment in the world when you get a couple of snores coming in during Shavasana because you know you've put people in a place where they fully relax, typically in a room full of relative strangers. So if you're snoozing during that, you needed that on some level. And good for you for getting it, you know?
1: Yeah, if you ever have a teacher get mad at you for that, then don't go back to their class. <laughs> yeah. Call me, I'll,
0: I'll I'll reach out and tell them they're crazy. You know, <laughs> the only person I get mad at for snoring is my husband and that's because, you know, 25 years of that shit is <laughs> needed in yoga too. <laughs> it's different. Husband and wife is different in yoga than <laughs> regulation students, I think. At least me, me and Chris. I can't speak for everyone. I try, yes. but I can't.
1: I feel bad for my husband. One time we went to take a class together and at the studio and we get there and the teacher didn't show up so I had to teach I remember that so, mm-hmm. I felt so bad for my husband because yet again I am sitting there telling him what to do <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the best and the worst at the same time you tell them what to do for too long and then they stop remembering what to do and I'm like why aren't you doing anything because I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do oh this is bullshit bro we gotta we gotta, we gotta work on this
1: uh-huh. I felt so bad <laughs> yes well I enjoyed this thank you so much Me too. thank you yes, yes. and uh, so if anybody has any questions concerns feedback uh, topics that you want us to discuss all that jazz hannah.com and I will put it in the show notes And thank you, thank you, Michelle. Thank you, thank you guys for listening. listening. Yeah, we've got somebody from Germany. So hey, Germany. Hey, Germany.
0: Uh, Yeah. Florida, New Jersey, Maryland. (laughs) That's probably me in Maryland. My one sister's not listening. Uh, (laughs) I gave her shit today, so don't worry about it. She'll be picking up soon. Um, (laughs) We'll see. So yeah, we're uh universal.
1: We're out there in Germany, Hannah. Who knew? (laughs) I know. I know. Come on to Georgia. (laughs) Well, yeah, Michelle, you come back to Georgia, too. So anyway. (laughs) I will. August. In August. Yes, in August. (laughs) Stay. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great day. And everybody have a great day.
0: See you next time.
1: All right. Bye.
0: Bye.